Hello, this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and you are listening to Conversations with Smart, Amazing Women. Each and every week, we bring to you a woman who's going to help you in some aspect of your life. How about your health, your self-esteem, your business, and, of course, your relationships? You know, the Smart, Amazing Women I've interviewed share so much wisdom and so many great things with me over the years. I've chosen 19 of them to be co-authors of a book. I'm so excited to announce that it is finally available for pre-ordering on Amazon and Barnes & Noble websites. It is called Leading Women. 20 Influential Women Share Their Secrets to Leadership, Business, and Life. You know, and it's full of stories and insight about how you can achieve your purpose and take your time, your treasures, and your talents to make a difference in the world, to make the world a better place. And who doesn't want that? But today, I am pleased to welcome and focus on one of our very, very, very smart contributing authors and, uh, of this new book, and her name is Joanna Krauts. She is an author, journalist, and financial expert whose mission is to educate and encourage women to take charge of their economic and political muscle instead of handing it over to a man. When I first spoke with her, Joanna had founded Muse to Muse Productions and written her book, The Guide to Intelligent Giving, Making a Difference in the World and in Your Own Life. Now she has continued the journey by producing the Women's Playbook, a multimedia platform to encourage and support women entrepreneurship and philanthropy with the goal of broadcasting her message with gender diversity equal does not mean the same. Joanna's essay in our book is called Redefining Sex and Power, How Women Can Bankroll and Change and Fund Their Future. So I'm so excited to talk to her about this, her playbook and her chapter about how women need to really take charge and change their perspective about money and how they can empower the world, and we need this today. So thank you again, Joanna, for being with me today and speaking with me on Conversations with Smart, Amazing Women. So glad you're with me. I think we've been shoulder to shoulder kind of going going along, doing all this work, getting our messages out. And, of course, we're both very, very huge proponents about women empowerment and really helping women to, to really take charge of their lives and be all they want to be and can possibly be. So thank you for being with me. I'm delighted. I'm really delighted to be talking with you and to be sharing the message. And, and, you know, we were talking about the book, uh, the, tw- the 20 Women, and you, of course, your, your chapter in the book uh, is, is extremely important, and, and your, your chapter is Redefining Sex and Power, How Women Can Bankroll, Change, and Fund Their Future. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, but first I think what's important is for women to know how we, how we get started, because... You know, being a mentor is really listening to stories of other women, how they've come to be who they are, and some of their challenges and their opportunities. But your personal story really tells more about why you're doing what you're doing than anything. So if you'll start there, we'll just let's talk about you and why you do what you do. Sure. Um, well, I grew up. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, 
and I grew up in a very left-wing family, um, so I was kind of imbued with all this social justice without really understanding it. Um, I, was, I was expected to see, I was very idealistic, and little by little I sort of walked out in the world and thought, well, it's not exactly the way I've been told it would be. <laughs> yeah. so, so I had to adjust. That was one thing. The other was that we didn't have much dough, although we were never really in trouble, but because it was a left-wing family, it, there was a lot of prejudice against, the wealth, against wealthy people, you know, those dirty yeah. capitalists. <laughs> those rich people. Those, those rich, rich people. And, uh, and yeah. really um, a lot of stereotypes in retrospect that I developed because you know, those were the people who were going to somehow um, do greedy things and make workers feel bad. So again, there was, you know, I came at all the, the social justice and the activism from another side of that stereotype. It's not the usual kind of path. And then um, the women's angle, which of course was pretty much my generation, not my parents. And I just never fit anywhere. <laughs> I yeah. could not, you know, I wanted to, I, I really drank the Kool-Aid during the second wave of feminism and what's called the second wave. And I figured that, um, you know, we'd get there. Women were, were going to change the world. Lo and behold, 60 years later, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, so I had to adjust those kinds of expectations. And I kept taking these jobs in media. I've been a magazine editor um, at a dozen different places thinking that I could get a message out and change perception, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's for men as well as women. Sure. And again, as the economics set in, um, that didn't happen. For, for all the reasons that, that you and I and everybody listening might know, women somehow have not made that leap, you know. And it seems harder and harder. We have uh, what was considered a historic election in 2012, I think, of women being elected to Congress, the most women ever elected yeah, to Congress. It yes. And, and, it's an, and it's a ridiculous minority. <laughs> yeah. And even though it wasn't one of the top leadership, uh, we still haven't gotten one of the top leadership positions in the world in the United States, like, uh, you know, uh, a president. Or, right. You know, yeah, we're still, we're still running behind in so many ways in leadership for women. Yes, and my daughter keeps saying, what is it with, you know, what is that about? Because um, I, I can't really answer. I, I think there's some psychological notion that women in men's lives are their mothers, their daughters, their sisters, and they're not somehow their bosses and their leaders and their presidents. I think there's some visceral psychology there. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah. I, I just, I, you know. So, so that, that, those are all, all those things kept, kept um fueling uh, change for me. I, kept, I did sort of job interviews almost as a hobby. I was always looking for the next thing as, a, <laughs> hobby, as opposed to <laughs> really. So I had lots of jobs, always in media and magazines and so on. But, uh, but, but it was a continual process of being a change agent. I'd kind of walk in and it would be, oh, good, this, they need all new things here. And I would do that and then either they would have enough or I would have enough <laughs> and yeah. I would have to move on. So I was always about what else you got. And I continue really to do that, what else you got? Because I keep wanting to, to I'm impatient, you know? Mm -hmm. and, well, it, uh, it also sounded like at that time you really weren't finding your place. Like you said, no. 
you've been you were you were looking for that place that you felt a certain amount of comfort or or again finding that purpose and it just wasn't happening so what else is there yeah yeah well what one of the positions um because there's always one i think or two one hopes is at least one was a place one magazine where i really felt i was um applauded for who i was and i was annoying <laughs> I was pushing the envelope but there was a respect and there was a um an acceptance of who who i was at the time so that was that was really good that was yeah. terrific Super. But um, the messages started moving. As you know, I moved into uh, women in giving, and now I'm working on women in entrepreneurship. And um, really, it's always been about sex, money, and power. So they're all a proxy for each other. Well, the sex isn't, but the money and the power are a proxy for each other, I believe. Yeah. You know, your story is so familiar. I think uh, the 19 other women in the book, Leading Women, could share similar stories as to some of their own concerns, frustrations. Sometimes our barriers become our opportunities, and I think that's what's happening with you as well as with me. But but I remember that uh, for myself, I I felt like I had to carry a a big stick, a large stick, to try to get my point across Mm -hmm. that, you know, there needed to be some equality as far as jobs, equality as far as money, and, and, you know, what was really frustrating to me, and, and I think we can share that even if we're sharing that in our own stories, is, is the fact that women, other women, don't necessarily support one another. And this, this has been a, a real uh, bugaboo for me. And that's yeah. why Women Connect for Good was founded, the foundation. And then, of course, my spending all this time talking to women such as yourself about empowerment and what, they're, what you're doing because I want to promote what you're doing. I want to help you to do what you're doing. And then I think it's it's been interesting. I've had people that I've talked to in the last five years on radio and podcasts, some have actually asked me, why are you doing this? They're so gracious because no one's ever ever done this for me. And, and I think that's why I, I continue to be a little bit surprised in the year 2014 is that we, we should be really advocating for each other in, in such a such a manner, and we, we were talking about mentors, is that really, I mean, that's to me my responsibility at this point in my life, you know, is to be a mentor, is to really pass on whatever knowledge and expertise I have to, to help the next woman along. So I don't know, what, is that part of your, your feeling as well, that, you know, again, if we, if we really did have more support, and, I, and I'm not into gender bias of any kind whatsoever, but I'm just saying in terms of some of the trends and some of the things that I personally have seen or experienced is that when women come together, amazing things occur. Yeah, I think that's true, and I, but I also think it depends on the women. So uh, Robin Morgan once said to me, not all women are my sisters. <laughs> well, and that, that is true because, yeah. says, you know, you were talking about being in the media. And yeah. That's that is crucial. I mean, even today, you see John, uh, cjane.org is all about trying to get uh, the, the attempt to get more and more women into uh, the top level of marketing and media because, again, yes. 90% of it is controlled by, is male-dominated. And so women need to see women in roles that are they're powerful, they're able to, they're able to accomplish. They are leaders. They are someone that can be your leader, not necessarily your boss, but someone that you can work shoulder to shoulder with and accomplish whatever goals you want to, to create and fulfill. When the media constantly says, you know, you need, a, you need someone to take care of you and you need someone uh, to complete you, I think a lot of women are still buying into that. 
Yes, I, I think that's true. And then also I think it's a struggle to feel as if you're not feminine. I've certainly had those, you know, if I go into an, a meeting and I'm very strong and I walk out and I know they're saying behind my back, oh, my God, that woman, you know, you have to kind of accept it. You have to be it. You have to see it to believe it. Um, but you also have to, and, we, and I'm sure you've been through this with all the women in the book, you have to be disliked sometimes. Yeah. You, you can't worry about how people, people perceive you all the time. You, can't, yeah. you truly have a voice and you truly have a message. You can't worry about that. And you're right. right. Women don't want to be disliked. They, you know, I still remember my grandmother, pretty is as pretty does. She uh-huh. goes, you know, my, yeah. she, you know, I'd come in, I'd be sulking or something. My grandmother and I were very, very close. Her name was Nancy, and I was named after her, so we were very close. But I remember coming in, and I'd sulk or be upset about something. She goes, oh, did you show your petticoat? You know, in other words, she was always saying, you know, women that are outspoken, women that are brash or whatever you want to call it, or just even have something to say are really hard for some women. Well, that's that, that's that pushy word that gets used, pushy or aggressive, that gets used well, word, we, about women. Isn't that what happened to the managing editor at the New York Times, Jill Abramson? She was canned because she was quote her management style nobody said it was performance it was all somehow about being too brusque and maybe she was maybe she wasn't a consensus builder and you have to do that in the job so i don't really know whether she wasn't getting the job done or whether she became the person she did because it was so difficult to get ahead for women and you become i mean i've had women bosses who i was just run from <laughs> yeah and and i think it's because those are the women that what they had to go through they just never made a runway for other women you could not you could not take off behind them i think that is changing because now i think women i agree need to understand you can still be feminine and you can still have the power too and you can still have those leadership skills without having to again adopt more masculine or more brusque because a man can get away with it Yes. Anything, it's more acceptable than saying, well, that he's just a man. Yes. But, but women, you know, if, if we're starting to really start to understand that this feminine side uh, of us uh, is really very, very uh, special. I mean, we can, we, we're detailed. We're great communicators. We, we see the big picture. We can detail down to the smallest, you know, degree, but then we can big picture things. And then with communication and bringing people together, there is those, are those talents that I think women have not been trained or taught to have. Yes. I think that's part of it is if, if the role models that you have had as female leaders or bosses is one of, a, you know, I'm sorry, more of a, a Nazi Hitler type, you know. Well, I've had, I've had both, which is really, really good um, <laughs> because I've seen how you can do it both ways. And so the role models were interesting. You know, I've seen you, you can enable people, you can respect who they are, and you can have very high standards even so. Because I think what happens a lot of times, the way male managers tend to review women, women don't behave, they don't, they don't cut their rivals off at the knees, and so guys think they're not tough. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I've seen women who make those people allies and who are consensus builders, and it doesn't for a second mean that their feeling, their ideas of performance or their benchmarks for how you have to perform have come down. So yeah. that's, I think, uh, absolute revolutionary. I think that's radical in the workplace that yeah. you can have the same high level of performance without being nasty or without command and control. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. you can be consensus. And I think that's we all have to learn as far as even uh, no gender bias, but the fact that, yeah, that it really it's about relationships. It's relationships. Mm-hmm. 
in the workplace and it's those relationships that you develop throughout the workplace and in the world. Being authentic is actually starting to be pretty cool, you know? There's also now, of course, other ways of working. Everyone is working laterally. There's, there's the hierarchies are coming down, and there are independent contractors, and there are free agents, and there are change, you know, people working in several different locations and several different virtual ways. So the hierarchies really have, they're not gone, but they have become much more like dotted lines, and women do much better with the, that kind of ambivalence and, and that kind of flexibility, mm-hmm. um, I think, than men do. They're, they're accustomed to, to roles that where you, they're more fluid and they can move back and forth. Yeah. And that, that's partly where I've been going with um, looking into entrepreneurship these days. I mean, they're multi, women are multitasking. Uh, women entrepreneurs isn't still one of the fastest growing trends? It uh, is. I've um, always talked about that. Women are, are foregoing the Fortune 50 and the Fortune 500 companies and just saying, hey, wait a minute, I'll just go start my own company and take care of myself and then bring along some other people with me. So, you know, the other thing, Joanna, is the fact that, you know, you talk about in your book and you talk about in your website the fact that money for women is a difficult topic. Very. Money, power, and leadership are all three difficult topics or, or considerations for women, and for me, for me, I don't have that issue. I'm usually the one in the boardroom. I'm the one sitting at the table. I don't have that problem. You know, I enjoy that. I would just like to see more women sitting next to me than the few that are in there. But the thing is, I've talked to women about joining an organization, and you talk about time, talent, and treasures, and giving back. But talking about women and asking them to become a part of an organization called FLIP, Female Leaders in Philanthropy. Uh-huh. And I've had women say to me, "Well, I'm not a leader," and I'm yeah. and I get this. I'm almost, I'm almost puzzled by this response. I said, "What do you mean you do, you're not a leader? You do all these things for your family. You do all these things in your community. You do all these things at work. Yes, you are a leader in many, many ways." And they, "Oh no, 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 not me. Mm-mm, no." And and I really, really struggle with that. I'm not sure that. I mean, the word leader probably f- makes them feel like they're going to have to work harder or take responsibility, but I've always thought that that's a euphemism for I'm afraid I won't know how to say no. Yeah. And, or, or and, again, I won't be liked because I'll have to make decisions that will cause me not to be liked. Right. I mean, in the work I've done with uh, wealthy women donors, they, they will back up they will, because they'd rather not be in the position of having to say no to your not to my, but a nonprofit's request, you know. Men just say no, you know. (laughs) I I have another cause. Um, They also will bend over backwards to help uh, um, someone they know, whether it's a guy at the golf club or a guy at work, you know, they're going to give to his cause because they know that the colleague is going to give back to his own. Again, women don't do that very much. They don't leverage the money they have for the things they believe in. Yeah, and, and, I, and I've been waiting for that. I've been waiting for that now since I started, since 2002 or so, when I've been started well, working with women in philanthropy. Women connect for good because that's all happening. So, yeah, mm-hmm. there are there are many of us out there that are starting our foundations and we're collaborating with other foundations to really make a difference. Because again, when you when you when you bring your funds together, and oh, it's a hundred percent better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's a hundred percent greater things you can do with it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, to, for me, and it's so much it's, more efficient. I mean, you leverage back office, you leverage uh, partnership. You're not funding things that are outside. You know, you're not doing things twice, so you, it's a, it's much more efficient. Yeah, to me, money is a vehicle, and I think when women begin to understand that when they become uh, successful and become uh, they become wealthy, 
and they become uh, able to, to make many, many decisions in their life based on their wealth, is that it becomes a vehicle. And yeah. I think when people begin to understand what money is uh, and what they're able to accomplish to make the world different, Smart Amazing Women, for me, Women Connect for Good, is all about connecting women who really do want to make a difference, mm-hmm. who want to take their time, who take their talents and their treasures, if they have them, to make a difference. And it's a beautiful synchronicity of people really making a difference. We've got all the power to do so. You know, United Way was started by a woman. If you look mm-hmm. back at the organizations in our country that were started by women, I mean, there are a tremendous number of women leaders who who are out there starting these organizations. So, Well, I think that what, what I'm looking to accomplish in terms of messaging, whether in entrepreneurship or giving or in the workplace in terms yeah. of leadership and getting into um, positions of authority, whether it's C-suite or you know, managers, whatever that means, is, is believing that the women's way of doing things, that the female way of doing right. things right. is powerful and authentic and actually effective, that you don't have to become like the guy. You don't have to be successful in male terms. I mean, even if you say entrepreneur, people, people conjure up the Mark Zuckerberg sort of um, role model, and, yeah, yeah. and yet there are more women out there who are starting businesses than men. Well, so, and, and, and very few of them become multi-million dollars. I mean, it's something like 6% of businesses end up reeling in a million in revenue, 6% yeah. of startups. It's very low. So, and yet this model of, of, of the male Silicon Valley, you know, young Turk is, is still out there, and it's a lot of media-driven and movies and television, and the American dream is just relocated to Silicon Valley because we don't have the white picket fence any longer. So. Yeah. But, but again, as, you, as you're talking about, the women that you're meeting more and more of and that you are starting to see a wonderful new trend is that they are taking their passion, and they're taking their, their money and their passion, and they're making businesses out of that. And that yes. And that's, that's what men have done all along, but women are starting to understand that, wait a minute, once you determine or once you really figure out who you are and what you want is that you can take those talents and those, and those resources and, and really make a huge difference. Well, sometimes it's just about walking through an open door. It's not even knowing exactly what you want yet, but just saying, I, I don't have time for my kid at this job. I'm never going to get to the next rung of the ladder. I can't. I'm, and maybe it's terrific money. Maybe you're a lawyer and you're making tons of dough, but... Yep. Yeah. There's no sense of purpose. And so you walk through that door that says, you know what, I think there's a better way. I think, that, I think yeah. there's a change that I can mm-hmm. make happen here. And you begin to, you know, you begin to, because technology is now incredibly enabling and cheap, and that's made a huge difference for women who are launching any kind of business or anyone who's launching. You mm-hmm. can now say, okay, I'm going to take on a client and see how this goes. I'll just do it as, as a choice. And it, I, I've called this the Goldilocks syndrome, um, which is the just right business. It works for me, for the family, for the income, for the satisfaction, for the purpose. And then once you have that kind of operating, you can decide whether or not you want to scale or you want to rent an office or you want to get out of the second bedroom or whatever it is. But you, you need to walk through that door first. I think you need yeah. to be doing it before you well, can figure here, out whether here, it's going to work. Here is a huge issue for women, you know, mm-hmm. fear and, and failure. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, it seems like probably one of the greatest deterrents is that I, I love Sheryl uh, Sandberg when she, in the Lean In when she said, she asked the question, what would you do if you weren't afraid? Yes. You know, what could you accomplish if you were not afraid? 
And that's, to me, the challenge women have as well, is that what's holding you back? Who and what is holding you back? And this idea of perfectionism. I have to do it perfectly or it's not worth doing at all. Um, and, and asking for yourself, you know, Christian Dillaband, the senator from New York, said she used to have, in an interview I saw, she had this horrible time asking for money for her campaign. You know, give me a because she can't run without dollars, and we all know this. And she just, it was just a sticking point. She was, it was just awful until someone finally said to her, or she figured out, I don't remember how it happened, but the epiphany was this is so I can fight for the issues that matter. Yeah. This is not for me. This is not money for me. This is this is money for the issues that I that that women believe in, that I believe in, and that's what women have to figure out. They have to depersonalize it. This is to make you know life work for the family or for the politics or for the values. And and women start social entrepreneurship businesses much more often than men do, which is that there is some kind of um, you know purpose and mission involved, not just money. Well, Women Connect for Good is about helping women help each other, but help women, well, first of all, help women stay smart and amazing and recognize that that exists, but then help other women to find that path as well. When you watch a woman blossom, when she finds her power and she finds her voice and she truly understands that she can make a difference in the world for her family, and for her community, because there's different kinds of relationships. There's work, there's your community, and then there's your family and relationships. But if she can make a difference in all those areas, it's a phenomenal feeling. There's no doubt about it. The data, the data is also coming to fruition. I mean, there's now more there's studies, for instance, several studies have come out that say when you put a woman on a startup, when there are women on, in, in positions of decision-making, the startup does better. Likewise, of course, as you probably know, women on the board or women in executive positions at corporations, the amount of philanthropy that the corporation goes up in a multiplier effect. You just have to have a woman who's a a COO or an EVP or whatever, and the company starts giving away much more money. (laughs) It sees them as a partner in the change for a good and they start to get better and better and get more and more business. And so, yeah, everybody wins. And, and this is the exciting thing about the book that we're, we're together on, Leading Women, because yes. that's what this is about. It's about everybody winning. Everybody benefits. And as a whole, we're connecting at such a deep level, which I think people are starving for. And, you know, you talked about that. Uh, women find they become more authentic. Mm-hmm. and they really do find out who they are and what their talents are, the sky's the limit. There's, no, there's nothing holding them back. I'm also hoping that it will open up options for men because in some ways I think men have even fewer options than women do now. I can kind of choose to stay home. It's okay. I can choose yeah. to become a lawyer. I can choose to be a gymnast. I mean, men have so many more rigid kinds of roles that they have to I do think that, I mean, they certainly have way more power and money than well, we they, do. But Again, they have the same issues as women. It's redefining yeah. what, what being a man is. You know, again, exactly. Those, those stereotypical thoughts about, you know, what a man is and what a woman is. You know, she stays home, he goes to work. I mean, those are all things that hopefully we can do uh, by the things that we're talking about in, in people as far as connecting them is that everybody gets to have a choice. You know, and we're, we're, we're on the edge of that, and I think people are so ready for it. We just have to be careful 
what we see and what we hear and not believe everything. And I think this for women especially is don't believe and don't believe everything you hear and say hear and see. Don't believe. Mm-hmm. Find your own path. You know, I like what you say, being equal doesn't mean being the same. Yeah, I I believe that very strongly because women, as we've discussed, have, and as you pointed out, have very different strengths than men do. So there are there are women's ways of doing things. They're, they're not going to do it the way the guys do it. And what we have to, I believe, move toward is having respect and acknowledgement for those differences. And that's true diversity when you're not just inserting a woman into a male position, but you are respecting the differences. Yeah. Well, and hopefully what you're doing and what I'm doing is leaving a legacy. I have daughters. You have a daughter. Yeah. Uh, I have, she I have, finally decided yeah. feminism is an okay word, which is good. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, but I have I have a grandson and a great-grandson, and I want them to have a legacy that they see what, what I have left for them as a baton that they will take up, and they will also continue to create a world where there is no more gender bias, where there are men and women coming together with the common goal of making the world a better place to live in and by taking whatever talents or expertise and doing that. So, you know, I, I don't want anyone to believe that the, the book that we're going to be out in December has anything necessarily to do with just women, because I really think it has to do with everyone. Yes, and I agree. Hopefully, there'll be a lot of people reading this book, and your book, The Women's Playbook, and the book and the platform, uh, I definitely, we definitely want to promote that. We're doing that through the book and so forth, but is there a place that people, you want them to go and learn more about what you're doing? The website is uh, womensplaybook.com, and I'm going to be starting to do, thank you for the opportunity to say this, that uh, I'm going to be resuming the podcast probably mid-November, and I am on iTunes, so you can go to iTunes and download the podcasts that are part of uh, women's stories. A lot of what I do has to do with, them, and that's, that's important, it's not just a, um, a lot of how-to. It's, as you say at the beginning of our talk, the, the personal story of how a woman got to be in charge of a business is to me the most yeah. inspirational, the most telling, the most instructive. Yeah. And the stories of women and how they, I have, I, there's a story of one young woman in my, in my book, which I'm now completing, and she began a business at age 15. It's now multi-million dollar revenue. She's now all of 2021. She's a senior in college. And the reason is because she saw some study that came out that said the ingredients in the cosmetics she was using were toxic. And so she manufact she started she launched this business to manufacture really pure um, ingredients and now she's got pets, baby, household cleaners as well as makeup and skincare products, all of them yeah. um, that are all pure that are all you know easy to use and she's got a, a force field of women out there so that she sells it um, the way you sell Avon you know there are there are women who are she's helping these women as well by what she's doing exactly. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's the point. You can do such great things, help yourself, and help others doing the same thing. That's the, that's the recipe. Well, uh, congratulations on what you're doing. I'm so pleased. Well, you too. Part of the book, and like I said, we're just getting started. The book, the first book launch, will be taking place November 8th in Santa Barbara. And yeah, I wish I were there. I'd love Santa. I was there last February. I wish I could come back. Maybe okay. I'll see you. You know what? We're going to have others across the country, and you're going to get invited to all those because you're a very key person and very, very important. But, of course, we'll keep promoting. We hope at your end you'll promote the book and get those pre-sales going. They can buy the book now on Amazon or Barnes & Noble website. So we want to get that message out and create this community of, of everyone coming together because it's going to take us all. So hopefully that's 
second wave uh, will become a third, fourth, and I mean, we just keep that wave going, you know, like in the stadium, keep the wave going. So Absolutely. Anyway, Thank congratulations. You. Thanks so much, Nancy. Congratulations to you. And again, thanks so much for all your hosting and all your um, opportunities that you offer people. It's fabulous. Oh, thank you. Well, we're just we're going to keep going. We're not done yet. So, you have a wonderful day and we'll be in touch.